0: I'm excited about today. Today, I'm actually going to do a one-off from where we've been in 1 Corinthians. I've been teaching through 1 Corinthians, and uh, it starts getting really kind of intense in chapter 5 and chapter 6. And then chapter 7 was going to be about uh, sex as a part of marriage and also singleness and, uh, and other matters related to relationships. And so I thought, you know what, let's take a break from that. We'll do that next week. And so if you came looking forward to that message this morning, then you'll just have to study that passage on your own. And uh, for in particular, the married couples, it's quite uh, very good. It's exciting. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you can study that on your own. So if this gets boring, just open up your Bible and start reading it. Um, But today I'm going to do a one-off. And and the reason is because uh, we as a church are moving towards something. Like we as a church are are really wanting to see God do something that is uh, really, really important in this city and in our lives. We we are a part of something that we believe God has given to us as a church called Vision 2025. And so it's this longer vision, which I'm not going to read this morning. You can go find it on our website, neartownchurch.org, and read all of the parts of it. But as a part of that vision we cast uh, a goal or a, set as a milestone for this year uh, this very important thing that we as a church are going after. And so it really is related to the spiritual discipline of prayer. And so we as a church have said that in 2018, we will reach 10,000 follow-ups on prayer requests. And that a third of those are going to be from unchurched people. So as a part of our conversations, we said, how are we going to get where we believe God wants to lead us uh, by 2025? And we said this year, we believe what's essential, what we absolutely must focus on, the wildly important singular goal for us as a church is that we were going to reach 10,000 follow-ups on prayer requests. And so uh, we have been tracking this as best as we can, and, and we're through the third quarter, And I shared with our members a couple of weeks ago at our members meeting, we call our members mission partners, but our mission partner meeting, uh, we should be at 7500 and we've already gotten to 6763 follow ups on prayer requests, which is pretty awesome for a church our size to do something like this. Every time I'm talking to my pastor friends, the word has gotten out and they say, uh, I've heard about this. This milestone you guys have set your hearts and minds on and are building towards, driving towards as a church, it's pretty awesome. Tell me about it. And I'll say, well, we're going to uh, follow up on 10,000 prayer requests in one year, uh, and we're going to ask, pray, and follow up, and we're going to do something significant. We're going to give away prayer to our community, to our friends, our neighbors. And every time, my pastor friends are like, wow, that's awesome. How do you do it? And uh, so we get to, we've gotten to share some tools and resources with them. So it's a pretty cool thing to be a part of we've provided some tools for you. like, And I have a few images that just remind you of what these are. We've provided a prayer calendar each month for the last six months that will help you know what to pray for on a day. And so we've actually uh, put in every other seat the October prayer calendar. So take that. And you'll notice that on that prayer calendar there are some blanks. And we've left those blanks so that you'll write in the name of somebody that's outside the church that you believe that God might use you in their life. We've also provided... Uh, this notebook uh, we call in the prayer book where you can log where who you've asked and the fact that you've prayed for them and then what's gone on since you followed up with them. And so at the beginning of the year, we, everybody was making, giving me a hard time because they said I wouldn't be able to keep up with mine. Here we are 10 months into the year and I still got it right here. And so it's, it's filled up with all kinds of prayer requests from people and it's been amazing. And so uh, if you do not have one of those little, little uh, journals, then I would encourage you to grab one. They're free, they're on the table in the back. And so we've tried to provide the tools like this notebook. I've also provided uh, answered prayer videos. And we have three more coming out this year, and these are on our website. If you go to neartownchurch.org and you uh, can find those answered prayer videos right there, there's just one tab on the main page that you can find them. So we've encouraged you to uh, take these answered prayer videos and watch them and then also share them on your social media. So we're going to have three more of those, which would be good. And we've also done some prayer walking uh, This uh, as a tool. We've provided and organized prayer walks. And so this is not just something we're saying, hey, it's an idea that's out there and it sounds good and we kind of all clap about it in January. No, it's something we're moving toward as a church. And one reason I bring it up today is because there are some of you that are just kind of new to our church and I want you to get in on it for the last 90 days of the year. I want for you to be a part of this thing that God is causing in each of us, which is a shift from self-reliance to God-reliance. And the primary way we feel and express and live out that shift is in our prayer life. I do sense that as a church, we've become more prayer minded. And I am just really so grateful to be a part of it. I personally have, although I have a lot of room to grow in this area. And I think it's pretty awesome. So with all that in mind, just thinking about this prayer initiative. And uh, I want to preach a sermon today in hopes of inspiring you to make prayer an even greater part of your everyday life, okay? Uh, Listen to that. I'm going to preach a sermon, and my hope is that today you'll walk away inspired to make prayer an even greater part of your everyday life. So as we talked about the 10,000 follow-ups on prayer requests for 2018, oftentimes we've talked about it as something that would benefit other people, and it does. But today what I want to focus on is how being a more... Uh, praying more often will benefit you what's in it for you and here's the main idea prayer will make you happier by making you feel closer to god that's the whole sermon is an explanation of that one idea prayer will make you happier by making you feel closer to god so with that in mind i'm going to pray and just ask god to do what only he can do in our hearts this morning with this sermon God Almighty, we love you. I throw my heart and my words, my mind, my insecurities, all, all that's within me that's required to stand up here and share the meaning of this text. I, I put all these things at your feet. And I just say, God, if you will choose to use that meager offering uh, and, and to take these words to transform lives, it would be awesome. And so, God, would you help us all today to have a heightened sense of of value as we think uh, about prayer, as we think about how we're going to spend our time this week, that we would all walk away going, you know, I'm going to be a little more intentional in my time of prayer this week. This is my prayer, and this is my hope, and I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So here we are in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. It's near the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, This letter is written about 30 years after uh, Jesus has been crucified raised from the dead, and ascended into heaven. And it's written about 10 years after Paul helped start a church in this community called Philippi. So you may be new to the Bible, and it's a little tricky if you just jump into the end of a letter, one of these writings. So let me give you a, a few verses that help summarize what the whole uh, book is about. They might be familiar to you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It might be familiar to you. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, another passage that begins to help us see what the whole book is about. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And then Philippians 4.13, this is one I'm sure most of you have heard. It says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse. Yeah, it's a very popular verse. So, so it begins to help us understand what the book of Philippians is about. And why Paul is writing it to them. And what's happening in Philippi is they're suffering. They're experiencing some difficulty. And what Paul does throughout Philippians is he talks to them about how they can find joy or happiness in the midst of suffering. And isn't this what keeps us from being happy, right? Suffering. Difficulty. And Paul knows something about suffering. Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians from a prison. And, uh, and it's not an easy kind of time in prison. I don't know that there really is ever an easy time in prison, but it certainly wasn't for Paul. And it's mind-blowing to consider that this passage or this entire letter has so many uses of the phrases that mean joy and rejoice. They're used repeatedly. And so Paul seems to have his finger on the pulse of how you can find joy, find happiness in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of suffering. And so Debbie so beautifully read the passage out of Philippians chapter 4 earlier, and I'm going to read it again so that we can really get it in our hearts and our minds. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, the NIV translates that word reasonableness to be gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near. It means the Lord is near. It's an important phrase. We'll talk about it later. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication or petition, with thanksgiving, let your uh, your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So according to Amazon, they've released the most frequently highlighted passages in really popular books. And so in the Bible, which is a popular book, the most frequently highlighted passage is this passage of Scripture. It's the most popular Bible passage, at least according to Amazon, and they're uh, tracking who's highlighting what verses. And the reason is, is that the passage provides a solution, possibly, to the very thing that makes most people unhappy, and that's anxiety. So even with the economy really humming, and Americans are feeling more anxious, maybe you are, depressed, dissatisfied with their lives than they were 10 years ago. Polarization politically in every different kind of way is at an all-time high in our country, and you know these things. You feel them, you experience them, you see them. And what researchers are saying is that what they call the subjective well-being across our nation is down quite considerably. There's a detailed study done by the Gallup organization surveying 2.5 million Americans and they examined how people felt about their day-to-day lives and key dimensions of well-being, including physical health and mental wellness and emotional wellness. And what they discovered was that in the last decade, it has dropped uh, considerably. People's sense of well-being or happiness it just kind of an easier way to say it. There is a higher level of anxiety in the system than ever before, and in your heart, some of you, than ever before. Now, there's a couple of different types of anxiety that we face. Uh, one is situational anxiety. It's, it's like the anxiety that comes from a specific situation, something happening right away, and you feel ang- anxious about it like you have a big test coming up, you hear some bad news, you have a tough day at work. It's the kind of anxiety that will be there, you know, momentarily, but then gone. So uh, I live uh, just next to Highway 59. And when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I can hear the freeway. And, And so as I'm trying to rest, Sometimes on that freeway, I'll be awakened on the weekend in particular. More often on the weekend, I'll be awakened by the sound of police sirens as it's passing by on the freeway. Right? And so that creates a little bit of anxiety in me. I might wake up and say, oh gosh, I wonder what, you know, what's going on. Okay, oh, yeah, it's just on the freeway, no big deal. That's a, like a temporary or situational kind of anxiety. But there's another kind of anxiety that's more chronic, and it's, it's like a low-level humming that's in your mind and in your body, and it just won't go away. Some of you all feel that. It would be like me laying in my bed every single night, and I can hear cars at all times. They may not be the loud blast of the sirens of a police car or a fire truck, but I can hear the low-level noise of cars every single night. And some of you, you may have this kind of low-level humming in your body a feeling that feels like anxiety. It's hard to put your finger on. You're functioning day to day, but you go around and you know you just can't quite find that peace that you think you ought to be able to live. And, and that happens for a number of different reasons. And, and I could get into all this. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I, have att- I have gone to one, and so maybe I know a little bit because of that. But um, some of you physiologically are disposed to anxiety, and some of you have lives where just the circumstance of your life, the stage of your life. You're a young mom or, or you're a, a student in a, in a very advanced, intense kind of program. Your, your life is going to have a low level of anxiety just as a result of the fact that you're going, trying to take care of your kids or you're trying to take care of your assignments or maybe you have a lot of responsibilities. Some of you are CEOs of companies or you manage a lot of people. There's going to be that low level kind of anxiety. We all deal with both kinds of anxiety in varying degrees throughout our life. And it can be miserable. So October 10th of this week was uh, World Mental Health Day. And uh, I think it's interesting. I don't really know much about World Mental Health Day, but it's interesting that what's coming out more and more in, in the media is, is people that you would be surprised to know or have anxiety and depression and all that kind of stuff are going public with it. And it, we're kind of, you know clapping our hands. And you know, I think it's, I think it's a really a cool way of just saying, hey, no longer should we allow there to be a stigma with mental health issues, but instead let's talk about it. And you realize like, wow, I'm not the only one. You're not the only one that deals with anxiety and depression, all these kinds of things. But anxiety, it can be miserable, right? We don't want to just say, well, hey, let's just live like this. No. We want to find a solution. And what Paul is doing here, I think, is he's providing something that offers a solution. And we are not unlike those to whom Paul writes these words. I mean, it's a different place in history, but we're all a part of the human race, and we want what Paul says is available to us, and that's that peace that transcends understanding. Raise your hand if you'd like to have that this morning. That peace that surpasses all understanding. Everyone who's ever lived wants that. Now, I will say that some of you, and I'm not saying this to be patronizing to you, I'm not trying to be mean, but I have enough gray in my beard now that I can say things like this. Some of you are still young enough that you think that you're going to get to a place of financial stability or you're going to find the right person. And when that happens, it will eliminate anxiety from your heart. Well, I'm old enough now to know that that is not going to happen. You'll always be faced with the opportunity to be anxious about something. Always. And it's difficult to feel happy while you're also drowning in anxiety. So I've said to you, prayer will make you happier by making you feel closer to God. And I've purposefully left the word anxiety out of that main idea in hopes that you'll just remember that main idea and it won't be about anxiety. It's about prayer. And this is what Paul is saying to the Philippians. And God is saying to us, the way that you will become happier is when you draw near to God, who is gladly able to guard your heart from all that's making you feel so anxious. And in the writing of the text originally, which was originally in Greek, it's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, here's an option of how you ought to deal with anxiety. No, this is a command. Actually, it's, very, it's written in such a way in the, in the Greek that it's a very forceful uh, kind of statement by Paul. It could not have been written more forcefully. Do not be anxious. It's a command. Pray in every circumstance. And the result is that you'll have a peace that transcends understanding. And it will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now you might read this like, okay, I have one option, anxiety. And I have another option, prayer. And you're standing back and you're saying, which one am I going to do? But that's not actually the way we ought to read it. What we need, the way we need to read it is I have one option, prayer, that is going to help me get through anxiety. It's called an action manner. So our action is we, we use prayer or we access God, conversation with God in prayer to move through anxiety. Because you will always, throughout your life, be moving through seasons that will create anxiety in you. Can I get an amen from somebody that knows? You'll always be doing it. So, And the reason that that's important, because you don't want to say, well, I'm choosing prayer, but I'm still feeling a little anxious. So this prayer thing doesn't work. God let me down. No, what God is saying is that in the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of the anxiousness, you can be a person of prayer and somehow God in his infinite power and wisdom will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Things around you may be going completely crazy, but you will somehow be able to find some focus and some peace and get things lined up in your life so that your life can continue to be about glorifying Jesus. Have you guys seen this commercial? It's an NFL commercial. NFL is obviously partnering with Bose Headphones. There's this commercial where Aaron Rodgers is in um stadium where the Chicago Bears play. I don't know the name of the stadium. Okay, there you go. Soldier Field. And so Soldier Field, Soldier Field, <laughs> I didn't have it in my notes. That's why I can't say it. Um, Soldier Field. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in the stadium, and there's all these Bear fans in the stadium, but he puts these Bose headphones on, and one by one, the Bears fans begin to disappear, and he's walking toward this one Green Bay Packer fan, uh, and, and it's, it's really essentially what Bose is trying to say is that if you put our headphones on, it will eliminate the, everything in the system that has the potential for creating anxiety for you. This is in some ways the way we can think about prayer. We put on prayer, and what happens is that although there is a very real anxious system all around us, we can get clarity. We can see what we're supposed to see. We can eliminate all the noise. So let me ask you this What is the situation that makes you anxious? What is the thing that happened this week that makes you anxious? You get a big bill in the mail? that you weren't expecting? Something happened at work? If you read something on the news? What's the circumstance that's creating anxiety for you? Maybe you feel that very acutely, and maybe you also feel that kind of low-level hum of anxiety at all times. What are you going to do about it? How will you keep that anxiety from vibrating so intensely that you just eventually want to come out of your skin? What God's word says is that what we ought to do is pray. I don't know about you. I don't immediately go to prayer All too often. I do other things. We do other things. We drink too much. We shirk responsibility, right? I can make my life more bearable if I just eliminate anything about my life that's complex and difficult, well, the problem with that is you'll never be married. Because marriage is a complex and at times difficult relationship. You'll never be able to take on the responsibility at your job that God has for you. So you can't say, well, I'm going to shirk all responsibilities so that I can find peace in the system. No, you say, how do I in the midst of it? Other times, other things we do, we distract ourselves with trivial things. We're trying to entertain ourselves so much that it keeps us from feeling the anxiety that's really down in there. Or we remain restless and unhappy. And what's scary is that there's so much noise in all of our lives one of you can be feeling really anxious, so anxious that you want to come out of your skin and nobody even knows. But I'm asking you to join me in trying this one thing. And that is to pray more often. And if we choose to pray more often, then my challenge at the end is actually going to be to pray two times a day. But if we do this, which I'll explain later one of my challenge is actually for you to do, there are three things that we can trust. Number one, the Lord is near. Look to your neighbor and pat him on the shoulder and say, the Lord is near. Thank you for three of you that did it. All right. The Lord is near. When Paul says this, he says the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He's hoping that the Philippians will live knowing that God is already close to their suffering. You see, when I go to God in prayer, I don't have to go. Okay, God, where are you at? Can you get me on the schedule? God has said I've been right here the whole time. The Lord is near. Sometimes we feel distant from God, where our hearts and our souls are vibrating, and we're going into these other things. We're going to drink and to play and uh, isolating ourselves. And and what we what we can what we can forget is that the Lord is right here. He's, he's near. And there's also a sense in this passage where like. Paul is wanting the Philippians to know that the return of Jesus is near. Like the time where where God is going to come and make right all that's been made wrong by sin, all that's created anxiety in the system. God is going to return, and he's going to do something about that. Be encouraged by that. The Lord is near. And when you think about the Lord being near, I want you to think about the Lord as a loving and compassionate Father. The the Bible says that the Lord is uh, slow to anger, Loving, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Some of you can so easily do this because you can think about your own fathers, and you can think about how loving and careful and, and um, gracious they were to you. You knew they were there for you just like that. Some of you can think of that, and that's wonderful, and you can, that can help you think about the Heavenly Father. Some of you can't. Some of you had really terrible fathers, and it's hard for you to imagine when I say that the Lord is near, that that is a good thing. Because if you go to God in prayer... And you believe that he's not going to be there or he's going to be hard on you. See, some of you believe that if you go to God in prayer, what God is going to say is, you know what? You did this to yourself. The reason you're in so much trouble is because you keep making dumb decisions. But the reality is, God is near, He is ready to rescue you, to bring you onto His lap and hold you and hug you and help you and somehow, in the midst of it all, give you a peace that transcends understanding. And it's not a one time thing. It's not like I'm anxious, okay, God, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to get that peace that surpasses all understanding, then, like, peace out, see you later. No, this is a life work. This is a life's work, it's a way of living. I mean, some of you treat God like that. I do too. Where God, oh, I'm in trouble. I got a bill. Oh God, I'm really disciplined in prayer right now. I got an X number of dollar bill and I'm going to need you to pour out your blessing. Oh wow, God, you did it. Thanks. Okay, see, I'm going to go about my business until another crisis happens. And God says, you yeah, had. there's so much more here. There's so much more. You can crawl up on my lap every single day. We can get through these anxious times that you experience every single day uh, together. Just talk to me about it. So the Lord is near and then the Lord is able. If you have a small view of God, you will not believe He's able to provide your heart what it needs right now. As your understanding of God grows, you'll more easily believe that He's able to give you peace in the midst of that really messy situation. See, the thing about anxiety is it draws us to focus our intention on things other than God. And we can begin to focus on the anxiety itself. But what you have with the Lord, He is near and He is able, is you get to go to Him and He will hold you and walk you through and carry you through and give you wisdom and discernment and courage in the midst of whatever difficult situation that you're in. I believe it. God's Word says it. And this is a biblically informed, Christ-centered focus on prayer. I want to make this point because sometimes I talk about prayer with people that are outside the church and they say, yeah, your prayer the way you talk about it is just like, um, you know, my meditation. And I say, well, there is a difference. The difference is meditation in the Eastern kind of sense is about emptying your mind. Right. But Christ focused prayer meditation is about filling your mind with the gospel and the truth of God's word. So you're not looking to yourself. For the answer, you're actually looking to God for the answer. He is near, and the Lord is able. And then, thirdly, you can be happy. Isn't that awesome just to know? You can be happy, and it's okay to want this for yourself. But it's not going to happen if you're waiting to eliminate every difficulty from your life. And so, you've got to find a way in the midst of the difficulty and anxiety that is in your life and all around you, you have to find a way to that peace that surpasses all understanding. You can be happy, but you must pray. You can have that anxiety, that tightness in your chest lifted, but you must pray. You must make prayer a spiritual discipline. You know, in the midst of all this, I I want to say one other thing. You know, there are some of you physiologically that can be helped along by medication, and that's very, like, increasingly a popular thing. But that will not help it alone. I mean, like, there's a reason some of that anxiety is there. And sometimes it's not just something physiologically that's wrong. Sometimes it's something that we need to choose to do as a means of connecting to God so God can give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. I have at times in my life taken anxiety medicine. So if that's you, I don't want anybody to feel shamed or like, oh, you know, you're less than committed to your relationship with Christ. But what I want to put forward today, even more forward than all of those things, is that you must make prayer a spiritual discipline. We must get better at it throughout our lives. And when we do, we'll experience the kind of real benefits of being a Christian that we read about in the Bible. It's like a perk, you know, that that we get to draw near to God, that we get to be happy, that we get to fill our minds with the truth of the gospel and the love of gracious and compassionate father. So we must make prayer a daily spiritual discipline. So here's my one practical challenge for you. I want for you to make a decision to set two reminders or alarms on your phone to remind you to pray. So I want you to get your phone Either you can do it right now, maybe during the response time, do it this afternoon. However you organize your time. My sense is that most of you have some kind of way to be alerted via a calendar or an alarm on your phone or whatever. But I want for you to somehow figure out a way to be reminded two times a day to pray. You know, the very early Christians prayed three times a day, every day. And oftentimes together. The greatest saints in Christian history were most known for their diligence in prayer. And I've thought to myself often, how is it that the greatest preachers of all time, many of them have a reputation for being such stalwarts in prayer, when I myself and we as followers of Christ find it so difficult to find the time to pray? It's because there's so much noise all around us. The very thing that is creating anxiety for us is the thing that is keeping us from praying. Two times a prayer Two times a day. So I'm challenging you with this, and I'm in the presence of many witnesses asking you to hold me accountable to it. Two times a prayer: a morning focus time and an evening detox time. So I'm taking some from uh, practices of the Christian mystics, um, which may mean something to some of you, but you don't have to quite understand what I'm talking about. But some in Christian history, there's a group called the mystics that were very focused on the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines of prayer, solitude, silence, things like this. And so some of their practices where they would set up the morning prayer time and a noon prayer time and an evening prayer time. But I'm going to just challenge you with two. So a morning focus. So here's the one in the morning. You wake up and at some point in the morning, you lay at the feet of Jesus, whatever could create anxiety for you during the day. You have a big meeting. You have the challenge of challenge of being a mom. You have the responsibility of being a dad, whatever it is. You're going to have to focus it now. If you just say, hey, I'm going to do it, you're right. Here's what's going to happen. You might do it tomorrow morning, but Tuesday morning you're going to forget. You have to figure out a way to discipline your time and put it on your calendar and hold yourself accountable to it. And your spouse, if they're with you now, hold each other accountable to it. You don't necessarily have to do it together. You could. Everybody kind of rolls in a different way in that way in terms of married couples and the way they express their devotion in the morning to God. But morning focus, that's one of them. The second one is an evening detox. So, uh, I don't know if i told you this story before, um, but uh, somebody gave me this idea about eight months ago. And I told them that I would go from work feeling a lot of responsibility to home where there was a lot of activity and a lot of things going on, and it was just hard for me to like, wind down. And so this person, it was a mentor, said to me, why don't you, before you go home, find about 20 minutes in a really peaceful place and... Um, and uh, And just go through with God your day. Just think about your calendar. And just talk through it with God. God, this morning I... I uh, woke up and I, and I had a tough meeting or I had a big decision to make or, there, or God, I sense your presence at this point in the day or God, where were you at this point in the day? Or God, thank you for uh, some moment of the day. Thank you for that text that I got from my wife. It was a reminder that she loves me and I love her and I'm so fortunate to be able to go home to her. You know, just this kind of a thing. So he says, go do this. So the very first day I do it, I go to over by the Manil. Does I tell you all the story? I don't know. Uh, Rothko Chapel, there's that little pond there. It's like, you know, a little space of green in the midst of the city. And so I go over there, and it's wonderful. It's working really wonderfully, actually. And, uh, and I'm there 20 minutes. It's peaceful, and it's quiet. And I look over, and there's this man and his dog. And, I mean, I'm like, I mean, I'm just feeling very like, okay, this is, this is awesome. I'm going to do this every day. I'm very peaceful, you know, kind of whatever. I look over, and this man's dog, they're running, and, you know, he's galloping after his dog. He's so happy to be home from work, walking his dog. And I'm just like... And then the dog runs out in the street and gets run over. And I was like, Lord, I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. And fortunately, I think the dog was okay. It's a really wonderful story. I feel like... um... (laughs) So it is challenging. It is challenging to find these times and to make them work, right? We need a morning focus... And we need that evening detox. Prayer will make you happier by making you feel closer to God. That's my promise to you. And not just because it's from my own heart, but it's from God's Word. If you believe that prayer can draw you near to God and believing that He is able, you will become a more happy person. And the anxiety that's in your system, somehow in the midst of it, you'll find peace. Now, it doesn't mean all the difficulties will be eliminated, but you will find peace in the midst of an anxious season of your life, anxious situation. I promise you this. So let's pray on and think about these things. God Almighty, we love you and trust you and believe in you. And God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have the hope that though there are things in our lives that create anxiety, vibrate the system that disturb our peace God that we have a way to peace the kind of peace that transcends understanding and that way is to you through Jesus Christ so God I'm thankful for that and so I pray that today that all of us would walk away having taken a step in our commitment to that spiritual discipline of prayer God, and truly, it is our way of saying we cannot rely solely on ourselves. God, we are reliant upon you. God, we want to respond through singing also this morning, Lord. And we just love you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.